Hello, and welcome to Truth For Today with Terry Fant. And yes, I'm your host, Terry Fant. In a world full of confusion that leads to chaos, the answer for clarity is the absolute truth of God's Word. It has stood the test of time. I hope you'll listen to this message with an open heart and that God would speak to you one-on-one through it. If you're ever in the Florence, Mississippi area, then we would love for you to join us for live worship. Please feel free to reach out to me at terryfant at icloud.com. May the Lord bless you as he draws, shapes, and instructs you. Now, let's listen to today's message. Amen and amen. Aren't you glad that he is always worthy of our song? You know, truth is, sometimes we don't feel like that, do we? Right? Sometimes life can get in the way, and I've been talking a little bit about this recently, how easily sometimes our praise is stolen away. Um, Be mindful of this, that worship... Uh, praise is when we open our mouths and either we talk or we sing unto God. Uh, we oftentimes label that as worship, but worship is any action or even inaction that we do in order to prove what something or someone is worth to us, worthship. Now, in the area of God, uh, it's anything that we do or do not do, action or inaction, that proves to him what he is worth to us. Does that make sense to you? Tonight, I pray as we continue to chip away at cultural uh, ideas about worship and praise, I pray our lives are continually transformed, right? Uh, And again, as you make your way tonight, if you have your Bible, I want to just encourage you to join me in the book of Acts chapter 9, where we left off last Wednesday night, I believe, as God gave us a a little reprieve from there in Psalm 103 together, right? As we had a, God gave us a pep talk Sunday, didn't he? And I don't know about you guys, but I sure needed it. I sure needed it, and I'm so thankful that he did, okay? Acts chapter 9, picking up, if you, you have to go way back, a lot of sleeps, a lot of learning, a lot of things you've done between now and when we met on this again, last, last Wednesday night, as we looked at verses 20 to 23, we're looking at, as the apostle Paul, uh, his, his Roman name, but his Hebrew name was Saul, and I love saying it, because some of y'all haven't been here, you're like, what? I thought Jesus changed his name to Paul, you know? And what we're going to find out tonight, we're reading after the conversion of Saul, and you'll notice that he's still referred to as Saul. So if it was as simple as Jesus changed his name from the moment of his conversion on, he would have been called Paul. Look at you guys learning tonight. And so you find out he had a Hebrew name, he had a Roman name. As you go on into the book of Acts, he moves from uh, the gospel being presented to the Jews as they refuse. Uh, He goes on to tell them that to the Jew first and then the Gentile. Paul's life, he's now referred more to Paul because his attention goes to the, come on y'all, the Gentiles, right? The Gentiles. You're supposed to be excited about learning. Come on, y'all got to help me tonight, okay? So, let's begin now in Acts chapter 9, verse number 23. And again, I want to say to you, thank you for being a people who are considerate, uh, who are thankful that God is saving and growing, and that fact that sometimes we have to go in this door and out that door, and we just have to be careful. And uh, I'm just glad we have a way to get in, and I'm thankful that you keep coming, even with all... You know what? The experts, whatever experts are, they'll tell you, oh, if you do that, they won't come. If you narrow it down. They have to work to get in. Oh, they won't be there on Wednesday night. Look around the room, would you? And I'm glad experts aren't, aren't all the know-alls, aren't you? And I'm glad God is. And so tonight, Acts 9, if you did not get a copy of our outline because of maybe how you came in, would you hold your hand up? We'll make sure that you get one. All right, we've got several all around. So I'm going to need somebody to help, uh, Miss Terry. Do, okay, good. Y'all just go to help us hand those out, and we'll make sure that everybody gets one. Do y'all like getting those on Wednesday nights? Yes, all right. Some of y'all are like, we wish we got them on Sunday morning. And, and I understand. And uh, wishing's a good thing. 
You know, we ought to wish, and wishing's good. You know, we need a little wishing in our life. Um, but for the time being, we don't do that because a lot of times with the Lord, He changes things with me, and I'm studying all the way up until uh, time for us to come in here. And sometimes um, we adjust things, and I don't want you to have the wrong wording. So uh, tonight, Acts chapter 9, title of the message is Don't Give Up. You ever feel like giving up? Anybody ever been led under the persuasion that when I gave my life to Jesus, I thought things were going to be easy? And I've heard people say this, uh, Brother Terry, I thought that God was in this ministry or in this particular move, and yet it's been one of the most difficult things that I have ever done. And I wish I could tell you how many people have come to me in that moment and said to me, Pastor, I believe it's too difficult. God can't be in this. I must have missed him as I prayed and fasted and listened and was fully assured that this is what he wanted me to do. And I always say, well, okay, tell me what came, to, what brought you to that conclusion. Because it's hard. It's so hard. It shouldn't be so hard. And I say, what in the Bible? from Genesis to Revelation made you think that. And uh, it's some of these TV preachers and their messages get out sometimes. Think positive and life will be positive and easy. You can project yourself into your best destiny today if you just think right. And it's nonsense. Life is full of difficulty because we're fallen people in a fallen world, and you find that from Genesis to Revelation. Okay, so Acts chapter 9, the apostle Paul, or Saul as he'll be referred to tonight, he was on the way to persecute the church, right? He was on his way to Damascus with papers from the, high, the chief priest to go in and to arrest and drag out those who had followed the way. Now, if you know the way's name, would you say it with me? Jesus. Now, what would you, if I came to you on the streets and we're not sitting down, now, uh, John, why do you say that he's the way? What scripture verse uh, would you refer to that on that? John chapter 14 and verse number 6, where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So they became known first, not as Christians, but first as followers of the way, okay? So he's going to hunt them down. He's having them arrested, brought back to Jerusalem, bound in chains, most likely to be uh, stoned to death because of uh, their false relationship with this false God, in their opinion. And so on the road there, something happened. A bright light shined down from heaven. A voice spoke like thunder, but there was no one there that you could see with the observable eye. As a matter of fact, Saul himself was blinded and face down on the ground and he asked the question, who are you, Lord? And the response back was not El Shaddai. It wasn't Jehovah Jireh. It wasn't Yahweh. It wasn't Jehovah. Any of the Old Testament names for God, but it was, in fact, the name, say it with me, Jesus. I am Jesus who you've been persecuting, all right? So he gets up from there, and he goes about doing what the Lord told him to do. Go to the street called Straight. Go into a house. Uh, you're going to stay there until a man, he saw a vision of a man coming in uh, named Ananias and placing his hands on him and praying for him. And then Ananias gets the interruption from God, and he goes and lays his hands on his, he calls Saul. Do you remember what he called him? Brother. Brother Saul. And he received his sign. And from there he got up and immediately, immediately, he didn't go to seminary. He didn't go to studying, you know, or, or, or any of the deep doctrines of the Bible. But what he did is immediately he preached one simple message. And that was Christ. Jesus Christ crucified, buried, and resurrected. Okay? Now, there was some time after that where he spent some time alone with the Lord and he grows. And boy, he ends up writing some great theological books like Romans. You're talking about a heavy hitter that has some doctrinal teaching from cover from, from beginning to end. Um, but in the early stages, he's preaching Jesus everywhere he goes. But, now, don't think it's just simplicity because this is a Pharisee of Pharisees trained in the Old Testament scrolls uh, more than most. 
And so he could take at any point in any synagogue the Old Testament scrolls and preach Jesus from uh, Genesis uh, all the way through the Minor Prophets. Are you tracking with me? And that's what he did. But now we found that he's going to face some, some hardships, okay? Surprisingly, believers facing hardships, okay? So let's pick up, if you will, and stand with me on your feet in honor of reading God's Word. And let's read. We're going to read now. Tonight we're going to cover three whole verses. You think you can hang with me that long? Good, because you ain't got a whole lot of ways out, right? And so you have to be, hey, some of y'all got to be methodical and think out how you're going to leave, right? How you, what route you're going to take to get out. And so let's begin now uh, as we reminded. Now, I want to read verse 22 to remind you where we left off, okay? And that was that Saul increased all the more in strength, and he confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus. And his life was a progressive uh, strengthening and growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. And, the, and the, listen, the byproduct of a growing Christian life is that people say, Said, it said, the scripture says in verse 23, proving what? That this Jesus is the Christ. His life, progressing and growing in the faith, was evidence to the world that this Jesus, that Jesus, our Jesus, the biblical Jesus, is the Christ, the Messiah. All right? Now, let's pick up in verse number 20, uh, 23. Yes. Now, after many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. <laughs> That's a great reward. Verse 24, but their plot became known to Saul, and they watched the gates day and night, and their purpose was to do what? They got to shut him up some kind of way. Uh, that funny thing, the hunter has become the hunted. Verse 25, then the disciples took him by night and led him down through the wall in a large basket. And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, I'm going to go ahead and read verse 26, but we're going to cover 23 through 25. And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, notice he still referred to who? Saul, has he already been saved? Yes. Okay, I just wanted to show you something. And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. Now, we, hopefully Sunday we'll go on in the rest of that. But tonight, 23 to 25. All right, bow your head with me, please, please, for just a minute, okay? Now, you've been through a lot. A lot's been going on in your day, and there's a lot going through your mind about, you know, tomorrow and all that stuff. And so let's just ask the Lord right now to clear our hearts and minds that he might speak to us from heaven individually right where we're seated tonight that he'd help our tired minds and bodies God knows us he knows that we're tired in the middle of the week at the end of a work day and so would you ask him right now to supernaturally give you a touch of energy sit you on the front edge of your seat like you're at your favorite concert right and that you would hang on every word that God would speak to your heart today Lord would you help me today to preach as you have so many times before. I'm in awe of you. So please tonight do it again. And by doing so, may my life be a walking billboard for the Lord Jesus Christ. That he can use anybody, anywhere, and at any time. So Lord, as you use me tonight, would you also transform my life, shape me tonight. Lord, I pray that you would tune all the ears in this place and those that are listening in different places tonight, and even those who listen in a podcast later on somewhere, that, God, you would tune our ears in past what we're doing right in this moment, that we'd hear your voice. Speak, God, please. We need to hear a word. Without a word from you, Lord, we are hopeless and helpless. 
So speak to our hearts tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. And the people of God said, amen. All right, hurry and be seated. I want to hurry up and get to this thing, all right? I can't wait to share with you tonight what God has placed on my heart for us, all right? Here's the main idea of the passage. Write this down, if you will. The main idea of the passage. Now, the title is Don't Give Up. Don't Give Up. And the main idea of the passage is, and these are going to go hand in hand, it's all under control. It's all under control. You ever been told that before? Anybody ever told you when you've gotten a little anxious, a little worried about something, a little frustrated, they say, hey, 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 it's all right. It's all under control. Now, most of the time we hear that, we don't believe it, do we? Huh? Why? Because majority of our life, we live by sight and not by faith. Honestly, right? What we see, what we hear, what we can touch, and what we see happening oftentimes determines what we believe is really going on on this particular day and what's going to come to, to pass later. So our lives oftentimes are boxed up, they're hemmed in, and our lives are limited because, well, we trust our eyes and our ears a whole lot. There's a, there's a phrase I've written down. I've really been saying it to myself a lot, and I've been sharing it with other people, and here it is. Uh, it's something that I encourage you to write down somewhere, and it's simply this. Uh, no matter what my eyes see, See, no matter what my ears hear, I will trust in the Lord my God. And that'd be good for you to write down, just something for you to see, because there are going to be sometimes the doctors tell you something, and your ears are going to hear it, and you're going to want to give up. And there are going to be times when somebody in your life, best friend, is going to say something to you, and you're going to give up on the relationship. There are going to be some times when your children say some things to you and test you in some ways, and you're going to want to give up. Anybody tracking with me? And there are going to be times when you need to be reminded of those moments, wait, 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 no matter what my eyes see, no matter what my ears hear, I'm going to trust the Lord my God. And it's a wonderful thing to say to yourself. It's kind of like we, we, we talked about Sunday, having a pep talk with yourself. It's a reminding of yourself of the truth of a personal relationship with Jesus. I'm not going to just trust my eyes and my ears. I'm going to trust the Lord my God. Okay? Now, let's dive in, if you will. <clears throat> They're going to be, well, you see it. I can't mess with you tonight. You got three, right? You got three, is that right, on your outline? Yeah, y'all are looking a little, y'all are kind of delayed. Don't delay on me now. I feel like I got the wrong outline up here. And so y'all got to participate. All right, Roman number one, and you know, it's write this down. Verse 23, we're going to find this out very quickly. Opposition is guaranteed. Opposition is guaranteed. Listen, if you don't want to have opposition, blend in with the world. Agree with whatever goes. Adopt the phrase, follow your heart. Uh, go ahead and say, it doesn't matter how you live, and really, truth is relative. If you just want to blend in and things to go uh, at least seemingly easy for the moment, okay? Just go ahead and out those things. But here's what you're going to find. The end of that road is destruction. It's a broad road, Jesus said. It's the road that most of culture and people are on, right? Whatever you want to do, just do it. It's, you know, and all roads lead home, and all of this sort of thinking. Verse number 23, watch what happens here to the apostle Paul, to Saul. Now after, and I want you to catch the words here, and, and after, now remember the author is a man by the name of Luke. He's a physician, takes very, very careful attention to details. The audience is a man by the name of Theophilus, and remember, remember it's always good when you're studying the Bible to remember what is, what's the point. Uh, God has inspired Luke to write this letter to Theophilus to remind him that what he learned in the gospel according to Luke, this is what it looks like when a person is born again and gives their life to Jesus. This is the gospel's impact, the actions of a person transformed by Jesus, okay? By people transformed by Jesus. So, what happens in verse 23? Now, after, y'all help me, after many days... After many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill Saul. Now, what has Saul been doing for these many days? Preaching Jesus. Uh, Saul has, uh, would, you, would you say that Jesus has turned him a 180? 
Yeah, he was hunting them, and now he is them. And Jesus has transformed his life and revealed himself to Saul, to Paul, in such a way that his life has been so radically transformed that the hunter has become the hunted. And how now he's going about his life is he's going everywhere he can and he's taking the knowledge and the training that he has in the Old Testament scriptures and he is expounding on the fact that they all, they all point to Jesus Christ as the Messiah. And he's going town to town, synagogue to synagogue. He's doing it in the marketplace. He's going wherever he's at. He's teaching and preaching Jesus. And one would think, and you and I have a tendency to think that when we're doing things for Jesus... That we deserve some sort of treatment, right? I love that right there, y'all. Like, <laughs> now there were about eight people on us. I think I saw Drew nodding his head, right? and so there's about four of us who were on. I saw a couple of heads, and so we have this idea, especially in America, especially in America, that if we're doing what's considered right, we deserve some type of reward, right? And so, we fail to realize that the reward of the Christian life is a personal relationship with God Almighty. My friend, listen to me. There's no greater reward that you'll ever have than to know God and to be known by Him. There's no pleasure this world has to offer, no temporary moment of fleeting wellness or uh, avoidance of sickness or a bank account number uh, that can compare to knowing God and being known by Him. So you're not waiting on your reward. You already have the reward, right? But don't we approach things like, hey, listen, if I'm preaching Jesus everywhere I go and I'm risking my life, then I expect to have things go my way. And, not, and, and listen, it wasn't just a few days that he had been preaching and teaching. I want you to notice that literally Luke said, I want you to understand, Theophilus, that, that, that Saul didn't just do it one or two days But from the moment in which he was born again on that road to Damascus, his whole mission, his whole master, everything changed. His master changed, and therefore his mission changed. And so now he's going about uh, making Christians, if you will, by sharing Jesus. And now he says, as he's going about doing this for many days, his reward for preaching Jesus many days in many places to many people is that people are plotting him a party. Oh yeah, it's a party. But it's not the kind of party that we like to go to. This is a party where they drag you out in the street and bounce rocks off your head until you're dead from it. And they're planning. The, the scripture says plotting. Can you see them sitting together? Now listen. You know he's, he's have you listened to him? Yeah, listen. he's very convincing. I mean, you guys know he knows the Old Testament better than we, you know, he knows the scriptures better than we do. So we can't argue with him. Remember, it says they were confounded by his wisdom. They, they didn't understand where his source of wisdom came from, so they couldn't argue with him. They were, they were hesitant to confront him, right? Because they couldn't convince him otherwise. By the way, when you've been born again, nobody can convince you otherwise. Now he's going about this mission, and he's been doing it for many days, and they planned a surprise party for Saul. Except the end result of this party was to be his death. And so what I want to introduce to you is this The fact of the matter is that once you have decided, if you will, to follow Jesus, you can go ahead and guarantee that there's going to be opposition. And the opposition will come sometimes from your family. Somebody, just nod your head if you need to. 
Sometimes the opposition will come from the people at your work. Sometimes the opposition will come from your classmates. I had a, uh, this past couple of weeks, I had a young person in probably middle school, maybe elementary school, that was talking about, he was sharing Jesus with some of his friends and the fact that they were making fun of him on the playground. And so don't you think for a moment that because you've invited Jesus to be Lord and you've decided that you're going to obey his command to make disciples and you've dove in and you said yes and you're hanging on to Jesus and you're following him uh, across the street into your, into your own house, into your neighbor's house, down the road, across America and on all over the world. You said, I'm going to follow you. Don't you ever expect for a minute that all of a sudden they're just going to plan a party for you and they're going to have cakes in your honor and they're going to just give you all kind of, well, what you can guarantee is this instead. You can guarantee that there will be opposition. For many days, Saul committed his life to preach who? Jesus. His reward for that was a surprise party planned in his honor to have him killed. Now, let me just sort of, if I could, walk through some verses. Do you have, you have about three blocks of text there in your, in your outline? Did I include that? Man, I'm just spoiling you guys. Uh, listen, there's a couple of things I want, you to, I want you to see. Even after many days of faithful service to the Lord, there are going to be those who, who, plan, who plan to assassinate you. Now, I love to look at those. I love to look at y'all like, wait, what? So what if that were the case? What if, what if, Dustin, after you gave your life to Jesus, then at work and everywhere you go, there's somebody sitting out there, they've got a rifle, and their plan is to take you out. Is Jesus still worth it? The truth of the matter, they are out there, and they are there to assassinate you, but more often than not, it's more about assassinating your character. And more often, it's about assassinating your reputation. And, and more often, it's about assassinating your influence so that your mouth will be shut and you will not share the good news of Jesus that has the power to set anybody free. So, a couple of verses I want us to look at, okay? Put your eyes there, if you will. Uh, remember this, in John chapter 10 and verse number 10, we learn about this adversary that we have that most of us forget about on the daily. And his mission, in John 10 and verse 10, Jesus said very plainly, is to steal, oh, kill, and destroy. So the enemy has strategically planned and placed people along the way in situations and circumstances with the intent of taking you out. Now, I don't just believe it's an assassination of character. I think a lot of times the enemy tries to kill me and you snuff us out. I believe if you and I could see the spiritual realm and what really is going on and how many times the angel of God protects us and keeps us from facing a certain death, it would scare, we'd stay in our house, cuddle up in the corner as if we could hide from the demons there. But it's him defending us all along the way. And he's winning victories for us. But let me just say this, all right? There is an enemy, and his intent is to steal, kill, and destroy your family, your marriage, your life, everything good that Jesus has avoided for you. So a couple of things I want you to look at in your notes there. First of all, is 2 Timothy chapter 3 first in your notes there? Verse number 12, let's read it. It says, yes, and all who desire Paul talking to Timothy. This same Paul, now he can speak on it, can he? Why? Because from the very onset of his conversion, there was opposition. He says to young Timothy, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will certainly do what? Suffer, Suffer persecution. If you, if you live godly, if you live uh, the quality and character and nature of God out in this, in this crooked and perverse generation, you and I are going to face persecution. Let's look at the next block of text. All right, look in 1 Peter chapter 4. Do you see that? Is that next in your order? Verse 13 and 14. But you, listen to what it says, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings. sufferings. 
that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, listen to what he says, blessed are you. I wonder if there's enough evidence in my life and your life to be persecuted. I wonder if we stand out enough that people would make fun of us, try to assassinate our character. <clears throat> Let me read on just a little bit. He says, if you're approached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God, y'all help me, rests upon you. The spirit of glory and of God rests on you. On their part, he's blasphemed, but on your part, listen closely, he is glorified. So when you and I are made fun of, when you and I are persecuted, when you and I find ourselves in difficult trials simply because we're followers of Jesus, and by the way, why were they planning this surprise party to kill Paul? All because of one name, Jesus. Jesus. He is the defining mark of all creation. He's the door of the destiny of every human being ever born under the sun. The door that will allow you into the kingdom of heaven or the door that will keep you out. It's all about Jesus. <clears throat> Look in Acts 5, 40 and 41. Is that in your notes too? Yes? Y'all thank you for helping me along. I don't have one of yours with me. I think that mine is lined up with yours. And they agreed with him. And when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, what did they do to them? beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus, and then, praise God, they let them go. Now, hang on right there. Leave that on the scripture, on the, on the overhead. I want you to imagine today if that was the case for, let's just say, a group of 10 out of this neighborhood over here, and they got 10 of y'all up starting tomorrow, and I let you know tonight, I said, now listen, <clears throat> the government's got your names, it's 10 of y'all, and by the way, it's hypothetical. Y'all tracking with me? Okay, they got your names, and they've been following you, and they've been tracking you with your phone, and they know you've been reading your Bible and all that. And so tomorrow, what they're going to do is they're going to be at your workplace, and they're going to they're going to just go ahead and arrest you, and and if you resist, they're going to tase you, and they're going to take you away, and they're going to they're going to tell you because you've been living so much for Jesus at your workplace, and and so much they're going to beat you. Now they're going to chain you to something, and I mean beat you, beat you, leave sores and wounds, and they're going to hurt you bad, and then they're going to threaten you. Not to whatever you do. You can do whatever you want to do. You can, you can play any sport. You can have any business you want. You can do whatever you want to do. But you cannot go around speaking this name, Jesus. I want you to imagine the effect that would have on your life. If you say his name one more time, we'll be back. And we're going to get you. Now, right now, our Western way of thinking is, they can't do that to me. <laughs> You'd be surprised what sort of things are happening even in our own country. Now, what's the point? The point of the matter is this. You and I need to be prepared for the fact that opposition is, in fact, help me somebody, guaranteed. It's guaranteed. So when they would beaten them, now watch the attitude. The difference in my attitude and your attitude. My attitude and your attitude would probably be this. I can't believe they beat me. Don't they know I'm an American citizen? <laughs> Don't they know my rights? <laughs> but not these guys. When they were beaten, unlawfully, they'd broken no law, they'd committed no crime. When they were beaten and threatened. Read with me the attitude of the follower of Christ. Y'all reading along with me? So they departed. <clears throat> and they departed from the presence of this council. And they were so sad and complaining and frustrated and couldn't wait to talk to their lawyer. They were. Now, now just read with me. Now, now by the way, they're, they're, it's just recently happened, so their wounds are still swelling. They're not even finished swelling yet. You know, your body has a response to, to beating lashes. It swells. 
you know, localized swelling as your body's trying to heal from the wound. And so it flushes water and, and, and blood to the area to try to begin to rush away and to heal and bring tissue and all that stuff. And so their swelling is not even complete. They're still swelling from the wounds. And rather than saying, boy, life is so hard, and, and man, life is so difficult. My goodness, I'm in so much pain, and I can't believe they, they did that, and I've got rights, and what, are they, what about my rights, and, and oh, woe is me. But here's their attitude. You ready? There's, there's one word that really stands out to me. The Scripture says they were rejoicing. And the fact that they were rejoicing was not because they got let go, because I'm thinking as I'm reading through this, and if I'm in the, I mean, if this is about Terry's life, it probably would have said, if you found any rejoicing in being, he was rejoicing, they didn't kill him, and he went on fast. But that's not why they were rejoicing. They weren't rejoicing because they let him go. They were rejoicing simply because they were counted, somebody help me, worthy to suffer shame for his name. Well, can you imagine the level of love a person must have for Jesus? To say, man, they beat me, and they beat me so bad, and they threatened me, and I'm, I can't believe that God would look at my life and count me worthy to suffer with Jesus for the cause of Christ. Isn't it opposite of the way that we think most days? I said we, not you, we. So let me just walk on through and make a statement before we move on to Roman number two quickly. All right, here it is. Opposition is guaranteed, okay? Write that in your blank there. Opposition is guaranteed, but, but, you ready? Jesus is worth it. He's worth it, amen? So opposition is guaranteed, but Jesus is worth it. And here's what I'm going to leave you with. Keep going. Don't give up. Don't quit. He's worth it. He's worth standing up for. He's worth telling the truth about. He's worth loving people through the hard times. He's worth going on and sharing your testimony. He's worth committing your time and talent and treasures to. Oh, I thought I'd get an amen tonight. I'm going to share. I got one back in the back. I like that. Y'all hear that baby amen to me? That's, I love that. <clears throat> Word of God says it. Out of the mouth of babes, he'll perfect praise. And so tonight, I wish you would strike in such a way that you'd say, you know what? Opposition is guaranteed, but Jesus is worth it. He's worth it. Number two in your outline. Write this down. Verse number 24. God is sovereign in all things. God is sovereign in all things. Now write this down in your notes. Verse number 24, God is sovereign in all things, okay? Now, as we're reading through the text, we've, so far we have gathered the information. There's a man named Saul. We know already that he's been converted. He was a hunter of Christians. Now he is a Christian. And he was hunter. Now he is hunted, okay? And there's a plot to kill him. A surprise party, if you will. Meetings behind closed doors. They're trying to pattern Paul, kind of like a white-tailed deer hunter. Amen, right? And so they're watching when he goes and when he comes. They're watching if he gets up early and where he goes and if he visits the same place twice. Uh, and the purpose of patterning him is sort of like that big buck, right? You're patterning so that you can ambush him. And they're patterning Paul. They're plotting against Paul for the purpose of ambushing him and taking his life. Now, that's a little bit of a scary thought, isn't it? I love that. Y'all look at me like, mm-mm. That's not, that's not scary to me, huh? Right? And to me, it's a scary thought to know that people, somebody, you may not bother you, you may not think about this, but if someone's plotting your death, and there's a big group of them, and they can get away with it, I'm just a little unsettling for me. Maybe I'm not as spiritual as you guys. And so they're plotting his death. But here's what I want you to see. God is sovereign in 
all things. Now, I've got to speak to this word sovereign for just a minute. It means that he is in control of all things. It means that he's always God, always. And so you might have the question hit your mind. Well, if that's the case, why does he allow bad things to happen? The problem with that understanding is that we don't get to determine what the definition of good and bad is. Something may be painful for the moment, but it's producing something so much better in the end. So if we call it bad, we're way amiss. You with me? So God is the only one who can see the past, the present, and the future at all times. And he's able to see past the moment of temporary pain that we suffer and to what it's going to produce in the future. Aren't you glad that God is? And so what, what happens in our lives is we say, well, sovereign over all things. Why did God let this happen? And it's something called the blessed curse of free will. And God made us in his image. He didn't make us like the cheetahs. He didn't make us like the monkeys. He didn't make us like fish. He didn't make us like trees. He made us in his image. Part of his image is that we, have, we get the ability to make choices. And part of the reason we can make choices is God wanted us to love him as he loves us. Love is a decision of the will. It's not that butterfly feeling you get when you first, you know, somebody catches your eye. That's infatuation. Doesn't last too long, does it? Oh, boy, I was waiting for some amens right there. I like that, y'all. Just like, don't say a thing. Don't say a thing. But love is something deeper. And love is the decision of the will. And love is something that you'll have to keep making. Come on, somebody. You'll have to keep deciding. And so God desired that. So now, when you say sovereign over all things, I need to jump over for just a minute and speak to, uh, you know, you have these battles between the Arminians and the Calvinists. You with me? Oh, I'm going to rattle some cages up in here tonight. Watch this. You ready? So the Arminians believe that, the, that uh, the, the decision of salvation is heavily on man. The Calvinists say man has no responsibility whatsoever. It's the sovereignty of God. So when we hear the sovereignty, we get all the, those that are not uh, Calvinistic in your belief, you get all jacked up. You know, you're like, oh, there's that Calvinist term. And, and I'm what you would call a biblicist. So what happens is the Arminians don't like me because I won't agree with them. And the Calvinists don't like me because I won't agree with them. I just believe what the Bible says, that God is sovereign at salvation. He purchased us. He paid for us. He pursues us. But there comes a point as the Holy Spirit of God illuminates all of that to us, brings us to a place of repentance, that we must also uh, humanly respond to his offer of salvation. Sovereignty and responsibility hand in hand. Mysterious, yes, but not so complicated. Now, I just settled that and... If you'd like to have a longer conversation about that, hey, I'd love for you to come by and let's have a talk. Not antagonistically, not angrily, but I just believe the Bible. And so what happens is sovereign means uh, not that God causes everything to happen and there's no free will or human responsibility in it. It just means that he's always on the throne. You with me? And so what we can take from that is even when we make horrible, wretched decisions because of our dark hearts, God is so powerful and so on the throne that he can take our messes and turn them into wonderful blessing. Come on, somebody. He can redeem it. He can change it. He can head it in the right direction. And you can look up years from now and say, my goodness, how good is the God I serve that he took what I did back there and he made it, he turned it into something good. Hallelujah. Boy, I'm about to get excited in here tonight, even though we only got a couple doors to get in. Son, I'm just fired up. I'm telling you, I am. So, God is sovereign in all things. Let's look at verse 24, where did I get that? But their plot became known to Saul. Oh, so God had a way to get the plan to Saul. And God knew that, they, by the way, there's no plotting that could be against you behind closed doors that God doesn't see it. So he is, in fact, sovereign. He got the plan. He got the plan to Saul. Saul gets out of it. Boom. Moves on to the next city. Keeps on preaching Jesus. Now, 
In the end, what tradition tells us about his life is that there was a time when he didn't get out of town. And history would tell us, not the Bible, but history would tell us that he, in fact, died for his faith in Jesus. Did you know that? Now, you may ask yourself the question, but wait a minute, because I want you to get a firm grasp of this sovereignty idea, okay? Sovereign does not mean that you're always going to escape. Anybody out there? We believe God is only good if Paul's not killed. But eventually Paul does get killed. And it was, even though it was a horrible thing, God used it to reach thousands of people as his death commemorated a faith that said, hey, crucify me if you must. Tradition said, but, but crucify me if you must. Matter of fact, I read somewhere that when they went to behead him, they, were, they dragged people to that stump, you know, to, to behead him. But tradition says that when it came Paul's turn, he ran to it. Come on, let's do this thing. Send me, to, send me on home. And by, don't you know the lives that it touched in the way in which he died? Now, friend, what I want to say to you is this. <clears throat> it doesn't mean that you're always going to be healed of the cancer here. Huh? Anybody out there? It doesn't mean always that your marriage is going to make it. Huh? It doesn't mean that you're always going to have more finances than you could ever spend. It doesn't mean that. What it means is, he's on the throne all the time, amen? And you don't have to fret, you don't have to worry, you don't have to throw in the towel. Because here's the deal, listen. Even in death, in life, in sickness, in health, in plenty, in lack, he's God. He's always God. So you and I never have to worry about sick and guessing his plans. Well, wait a minute now, preacher. How, how not? Look to the cross. Always look to the cross. But I've been diagnosed with cancer. I understand that, but look to the cross. Don't view your diagnosis, don't view your divorce, don't view your whatever it is you're facing through the lens of this is bad and not good. View it through the lens of the cross. View it through the fact that God has already proven to you that he loves you more than you'll ever fathom. And my precious friend, listen to me, that's enough. He's going to see you through to the other side. And by the way, when we get to the other side, we won't remember all this mess anyway. Come on, somebody, isn't that going to be good? We won't remember all the stuff that we went through down here as he holds our hand and walks us through to the other side. And by the way, to get there, you know what we have to do? <laughs> I love that. I love that. Boy, y'all get excited when I start talking about death. We have to die to get there, baby. You with me? We have to die. We have to have a plane wreck. We have to have a crash. Somebody has to shoot us. We have to have a, 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 an aneurysm. We have to have a stroke. We have to have cancer. We have to have... Come on, I wish y'all would hear me what I'm saying. There's going to be a vehicle designed of God that's going to carry us into the hereafter. Amen? And when we get there, we'll say, Thank God you got me here through cancer. Thank God you brought me here through that car wreck. I'm home now. I'll never struggle again. And I'm seeing Jesus face to face. One of these days. One of these days. God is sovereign in all things. This time, at this particular time, God said, y'all think you're planning something about my, against my boy? Watch this. I'm going to go tell him. I'm going to let him in on y'all's little surprise party. Okay? So, God is sovereign in all things. All right? Uh, is Romans 8.28 your notes there? Quickly, and we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. Oh, man. Some of us, somebody said, well, they, some, some people just die early. No, when we get to heaven, we'll say, man, I wish I wouldn't have had to wait so long <laughs> to get here, to get to this place, to see you, Jesus. I wish I wouldn't have had to wait this long. 
God is sovereign. Now, let me just say, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 50 to 58, that's in your notes there, right? Uh, you'll see even, and write this in the blank there, even death is victory for the believer. Even death is victory for the believer. As a matter of fact, Brian's preaching 1 Corinthians 15, 50 to 58 right now as we are preaching right here. Isn't that good news? So you're used to hearing about the fact that Jesus Christ has defeated death in the grave and that death is our entranceway into heaven one of these days. So we need to live every day to the fullest because one of these days we're going home and Jesus has defeated death. Isn't that good news? Thirdly and finally, all right, we got to kind of speed up a little bit. Y'all all right? Got your out route planned already? What door are you going to use? Huh? Some of y'all are thinking, no, I'm kind of confused. I'm not sure how I'm going to get back out of here. All right. Rumor number three, we need each other. We need each other. I need you. You need me. And can I just, can I just, I'm going to do it anyway. We've got to do a better job, y'all, of being there for each other. Now, listen, that's not a scolding. And I need to take liberty here to speak to my people. Now, I can't, I'm going to have no bearing on the rest of the world but my life, called by God to under-shepherd these people, I pray my life and what God's teaching through me has an impact in your life. So I am asking you, please don't think that you're going to settle the issues of the world on Facebook. Please don't engage with people who think that they're going to solve the issues of the world by posting something on Facebook. We don't need each other there. We need each other in real time. Uh, and by the way, saying things about those, now, 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 there's a couple of flip side of this. Okay, well, let me prove it in the verse first. Look in verse 25. So their plot became known to Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. They're, pr- they're trying to pattern him, and they've got their plan. But, but, but Saul knows God gave him, he's sovereign over all things. Verse 25, then the disciples took him by night and led him down through the wall in a large basket. Can you see that? First of all, uh, I would have been, wouldn't it have been a little bit taxing if you're going to get in that basket? I'd be like, you guys think that's going to hold me? Because, like, I don't know what's worse, getting stoned or dropped out of a basket out of a wall onto the ground. Because I don't mind dying so bad as to breaking both my legs and not being able to, you know what I mean? Like, not being able to move or walk or, you know? And so, you, you think about what happens here. Somebody's got to hold the rope. And it takes more than one person to lower somebody down because of the weight factor and leverage. And, and so, you've got a group of people who are willing now to risk their lives to lower. And by the way, those that are plotting to kill Jesus, if they catch the fact that you got them out of there, guess what they're going to do for you? They're going to plan you a surprise party. And their purpose would be to what? To kill you. Now, they said, you know what? We love Saul. Now, wait a minute. This same Saul murdered their friends or had their friends arrested and drug away. But now the love of Jesus has caused them to love this man who's brand new in Jesus Christ. And they've, listen, they love him so much they're willing to risk their lives for him. Listen, you need to get you some friends. Let me say this to you. You need to get you some friends who are willing to risk their life to lower you down the wall when you're in a place of despair. You need to, you need to circle yourself, not with those people who are convincing you to go with the world or to drink your cares away or to post it on Facebook and rant. You need to get you some friends that say, you know what? Hey, I know you're going through some things. I'm, I'm, I'm sticking my neck out. I'm here to help any way that I can. And I'm afraid that not many of us are doing that. I'm not, I'm not always good at it, and you're not always. Come on, y'all. Right? But now let me just say that the cure for that is not for me to say about you, well, you weren't there for me when I was hurting and blast you on Facebook. That doesn't do anything but hurt and cause harm and discord tarnishes the church. And one day people are going to get to heaven and find out that Jesus doesn't take lightly to the fact that you've been talking about his bride, even though his bride is not perfect. He already knew that. 
But you and I, listen, we ought to look at our own lives and not look at the lives of other people and just blast the church, you know. And I don't mean hickories. I'm talking about the church at large. And just complain about the shortcomings of the church when what we ought to do instead is just say, you know what, as long as it's my concern, I want to be a friend who's willing to lower you out of the wall. I, I want to be the guys, one part of the team that's looking for the rope. And I'm not talking about the rope to hang you on. I'm talking about the rope to lower you down the wall and help you get out of your situation. I'm talking about going around testing that thing. You know, they didn't just, hey, I think this will work. There was some testing. They're pulling on the ropes. People are looking. They're going and searching. We've got to have the right rope. It's got to be long enough. It's got to be strong enough. And we've got to have a basket that Paul can fit in. And then there's got to be enough of us. And we've got to know that we can lower him down and not drop him. And we've got to be quiet about it. And we've got to do it at just the right time. So you have to have your planners. You know, you've got to have planners in the group. I'm not the planner. I'm the dude that holds the rope. I'm not the planner. You've got to have some planners. Hey, y'all need to stand here. You need to space yourself out here. You need to use this pole right here as a little bit of a leverage, as a pulley system, if you will. And we need to kind of lean back this way, and this one needs to stand here. And we need to have two on the ground. You know what I'm talking about? You've got to have a team of folk, man, that will help you, that will help you when there's time that you need some help bearing a burden. And listen to me. We need to be that person for others around us. Sometimes we look at our lives and we say, I'm so lonely, I don't have any friends. And sometimes it's because we're not very friendly. The Word of God says if a person is to have friends, that he himself should find himself friendly. So I'm praying unto God that I would be that person, you'd be that person. I'm reminded, I'm reminded if you will, of a paralytic man who had four friends. And they, didn't, they weren't talking about him behind his back, Right? They weren't, they weren't talking about his outfit and what he looked like and what he said and how he'd failed at life and how he couldn't even wipe his own, you know, mouth. And What they were doing is carrying him on a mat. And what they were doing was when they got there, after carrying him on the mat and realizing there's not enough room in the house, they climb up on the house with him on the mat. And then they don't just climb up on top of the house with him on the mat, but the four of them begin to dig through the mud and the tiles and the grass and what have you, and digging through the roof, reckless abandon, to get their friend in front of Jesus. And I want you to know tonight that we need each other. Uh, this journey down here was not made to be lived as a solo mission, um, but that we would be together and we would cheer each other on. And we would encourage each other. And I want to say, I want to say that I am so thankful for those of you who in my life have been encouragers and cheered me on. I know this. I, I know this with all my heart. Had it not been for some of you out there, I would not still be in the race. I'd have quit. I know that. Beyond the shadow of a doubt. I'd have thrown the towel in, man. I'd have been doing something else right now. Making a mess of things. But all along the journey, I've had people come alongside me and say, come on, keep going, keep going. Come on, keep going. Let me pray for you. Hey, come over. Let's take you to eat. Hey, hey, I want to come over and just sit with you for a while. Let's have a cup of coffee. I mean, just have people. Hey, just, I want you to, I'm praying for you today. You know? And it just it was like a fresh wind under your sail. It's like they helped lower you down out of a wall, escaping near death. Oh, I wish you and I would become those people. You know, we can't fake that. We need Jesus to do that. And I believe with all my heart, the greatest obstacle is busyness. By the way, it's what followers of Jesus should do. And let me just say, it's what Jesus did, but on a much grander scale. He didn't just risk his life. He gave it. He gave his life for our rescue.
Let me give you a verse, and I'm going to close, all right? Hebrews 10, 25. You see in your notes there? It says this, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the matter of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more that as you see the day approaching. Now, we can talk about all different kind of reasons to not gather. We can talk about all the kind of hobbies and things that we like to do. We can make all kind of justification, but simply put, the Word of God says, don't abandon the gathering. And it says, do it more. Did you notice? Don't, don't, don't miss the second half of the verse. Do it more and more and more. Gather more as you see the end approaching. So, we talk about all that, about life and the things that we struggle with, but he says here, don't abandon the gathering. So, in your notes, in that blank, put, don't abandon us. I know sometimes life is difficult, and sometimes our response to difficulty is to, re, is to retreat. Is to, here's the word, you ready? Isolate. And not only is that harmful for you, but it's harmful for us because we need you and you need me. And we need one another. In closing, don't abandon the gathering, right? Because we need each other. Can you imagine if Saul had no friends, no, no followers of Jesus to lower him down in that basket, out of that wall? So here's the thing. Don't abandon us. Be present. I want to encourage you to be present as much as you can be. Be present. Be present with your friends. Be present with the body of Christ. Y'all tracking with me? Be here. Don't, don't do the online experience. Only if you have to, right? Only if you have to. But if you can be, be present, man, because we need you and you need me. And being present in your friendship, right? In your friendships. People need you. They need to hear a word of encouragement. They need to see your face sometimes. Sometimes for me, i got some friends I just like to just, we don't have to talk about anything. I just want to just be around them for a minute because being around them helps me. So be present, but be involved, right? Don't just be here and take up space, but be involved. Find out where you can be used of God, right? How you can serve, how you can prop up some folk. And I'll tell you, a great way to do it is to be in the nursery. Because there's some people back there, man, they are, woo, we got kids coming out the wazoo. I guess I can say that from the pulpit. Kids everywhere, man. It looks like, I'm telling you, you heard me say it, like you kick the top of an anthill, they're everywhere. And that's wonderful, but we need, we need people who are willing to say, hey, I don't have any excuse. I can, I can rock a baby. I can rock a baby every six weeks so that a parent can go or so that those workers out there, can, those servants out there can, can come to worship. And, and, and just for a minute, just connect with God, not do anything but connect with God. Uh, be present. Be involved. Be gracious. Hey, listen, your friends are going to act like a donkey sometimes. Stubborn. Some of y'all look at me like, did he just say that? Yeah. Donkeys are stubborn, aren't they? Huh? They're stubborn. And your friend's going to be stubborn. I'm going to be stubborn sometimes. You're going to be stubborn sometimes. But the law of love of the Lord Jesus Christ means we're going to overlook some things. We're going to overlook some things. We're not going to be mortally wounded because, well, one time you didn't lower me out of the basket when I needed to be lowered in the basket. Right? I'm just, as, as much as it's up to me, I'm learning, and I want to be there to help lower, lower you down the basket. But I'm not going to be mean to you and mistreat you and be hurt, mortally wounded. Because for whatever happened, and you weren't able to help me, lower me down the wall. So be gracious. Aren't you glad Jesus is? Yeah. Be gracious. Be gracious. The other thing is be encouraging. Man, there's some, there's some people in this gathering that just need you to come alongside them and say, you can do this. <clears throat> you can do it. I believe in you. You can do marriage, hallelujah. You can lead your family. You can raise your children to know God. You can. You can overcome this sin. You can do it. I'm believing you. Well, I'm telling you, one of the greatest responsibilities for the believer is to be a cheerleader in the life of other believers. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Be a brother. Be a sister. Be family. Be family. You ready? I always talk about, I haven't done it in a while, but you guys remember I used to really harp on the fact that church family is kind of a silly term. <laughs> you know, church family. 
versus what? Family, family. Blood family. And blood's what made us family, by the way. So I could never, if you're a brother or sister in Christ, I could never say that you're not my blood family. You're more my blood family than anybody else on planet earth. And it was perfect blood that made us family. And so you are my family. Don't be abandoned. Don't abandon us. Be present. Be involved. Be gracious. Be encouraging. Be a brother or sister. Here it is. Be like, put it in your blanket. I'm going to close in prayer. Be like Jesus. Be like Jesus. Amen. Be like Christ to those who God has given you. Listen, the privilege of calling you brother, sister, or friend. Okay. Let's bow our heads together for just a moment. Can y'all believe we finished that? Hallelujah. Three verses in record time. Now, in conclusion, quickly, number one, opposition is guaranteed. Somebody here tonight, you've been downtrodden because opposition's got you. Listen, listen, just expect it. Just expect it. Just expect opposition is coming. It's coming for the child of God. It's coming. And so tonight, listen, you just need to come tonight and just say, Lord, I've let the opposition get me down. I'm, I, I, know, I know I should expect it. It, caught, it blindsided me. I wasn't expecting it. But Lord, I'm reminded tonight that you're sovereign over all things. It didn't surprise you. And so you have allowed it. You may not have caused it, but you allowed it. And I'm going to, tonight, I'm asking you to help me trust you. Now listen to me, friend. Listen to me. You may be thinking to yourself right now, how could I ever trust him? The cross. How could I trust him in what's going on? I can't see the other side. You can look to the cross. You can view your situation in light of the cross. He's already proven. He'll spare no expense to rescue you. So maybe the enemy's held you down, pinned you down, got you all fretting and worried and anxious and panicking. God brought you here tonight to say, hey, you should expect opposition. You're my child. You, should, you don't fit in here. You don't belong. It's not your home. Next, somebody needs to be reminded that God is sovereign. Whether the healing was temporary or permanent, God is sovereign. He's God all the time. And we can trust Him. Even when, listen, somebody asked me one time, how could I trust Him when my, when my husband died? I said, because your husband was a follower of Jesus and he got to the rewards earlier than us. If you really believe that, if you really believe that with a broken heart, I know with a crushed spirit, you, you can just for a moment think about the fact that when we get there, we're going to realize that he got there a little earlier and got to experience the rewards a little earlier. But with your faith in Jesus, you're, you're getting there one day too. And he's accomplishing good things even through the most difficult things that we'll ever face. He's sovereign over all things. You can rest in it. You can trust him. And finally, we need each other. Hey, maybe there's a friend you need to reach out to tonight. Maybe there's a friend, that, and there's been some distance, you know, for what have you, what reason. And I understand this. Now, I'm not telling you that things aren't painful and we don't hurt each other's feelings. We do that. And does it hurt? Yes, it does. But I pray tonight, it not be the enemy. You'd not allow the enemy to let that be a mortal wound, a fatal wound in the friendship, in the, in the family. And that maybe by some, somewhere in the will of God, you'd find power in the Holy Ghost to extend grace and forgiveness. And so I pray you'd seek that out tonight. Maybe they're in this room. Maybe you just would, in just a minute, you may just come down the altar and pray together. That'd be sweet, wouldn't it? Maybe you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. Let me say it's not too late. And I pray this. I pray tonight for you. Lay your head down. I pray that, matter of fact, right now, tonight, right in your seat, driving down the road, in the captain's room, wherever you find yourself, listen to this podcast, at work, working out. And I pray that right now, in Jesus' name, you would invite Christ to be the Lord of your life. You'd receive him. you trust what he did on the cross. It was enough. It finished the work. 
and you trust in his resurrection, the proof he was the son of God, and based on what he did, you'd step off the throne of your heart. You'd repent, meaning turn around and not be the boss of your own, and invite Jesus to be Lord. It's that simple. Simplest thing you'll ever do. Most difficult thing you'll ever do because it requires surrender. Father, would you take this time of response? And Lord, would you move? God, move in a mighty way. Move in every heart, every single heart. Thank you for being sovereign. Thank you for putting people in our life that are willing to lower us down the wall. Would you speak to our hearts in Jesus' name? Amen. Let's stand together.